two sermons for the price of one. One is going to be extremely short, and the other one is going to be a regular sermon. No, it's not going to be extremely long. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. We've been working our way through the message to the seven churches. And the next church that we are looking at in Revelation chapter 2, really, I believe that the message um, is very similar to the message that we, we heard uh, last week. And so since I don't think that you all can uh, stand two messages back to back like that, I'm going to just read this one and uh, keep it moving to the to the, uh, Revelation chapter three. <laughs> All right. Um, and the reason I do that is because I think that the issue in uh, the, this church in Revelation chapter uh, three, starting um, two verse starting at verse 18 is is very similar to what we saw last week. OK, so. Last week, we saw in the church of Pergamos that that John is to talk to the church about um, religious and spiritual, um, religious, political, cultural compromise. Right. Um, And so he's he's addressing how people in the church are living immorally because they do not hold to the correct doctrine of or truth. Okay. now. Um, when we get to chapter 2, verse 18, he now is writing to the church at Thyatira, and I think that he is still addressing the same issue of immorality. Uh, but uh, he addresses it not to individuals that are holding to these beliefs. He's addressing it to those who teach people it is okay. Right? So people, someone who would have a position of leadership that is teaching people that it is okay to live immorally, that is what he is addressing. And now, um, so he, he in this chapter, we'll see, he still is picks up the same idea from last week about um, sexual immorality, right? He, he carries that idea into this, um, into this section uh, along with um, them sacrificing to idols and things like that. And someone might say, no one teaches stuff like that. I promise you, if I were to take the, do an actual sermon on it, I could really literally show you Christian Christian leaders who are literally telling people do not allow people to use the Bible to sexually repress you. God wants you to freely experience everything. So I didn't want to take the time to read that kind of stuff today. So let me just read the verses, show you how serious Jesus is about this topic and move to chapter three. Listen to what he says, verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts 
and I will give to each one of you according to your work. Now to you I say, and to the rest of some in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have until I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now here, I just want to say really quickly how, how very serious Jesus takes these topics. The topic of immorality is something that we think is something that, you know, we do in secret or in private and no one has a right to ask us. Jesus says, I know your works. And he does not take these things very lightly. It is so serious that Jesus says people who commit these things, as we saw last week, and those leaders who teach people that this is okay, Jesus says here that I'm going to cast these people into a sickbed, the people who commit these acts with them into tribulation, and I will kill their children. Jesus is trying to point out how very serious he takes leaders who mislead his people into sin. That's sermon number one, Revelation chapter two. (laughs) All right, Revelation chapter, I'm I'm sorry, Revelation chapter three, all right. Again, if you want more context, see the message from last week. Revelation chapter 3. Everyone with me? All right. Now, we're working our way through these seven churches. Jesus is giving John this message to talk to the seven, um, to tell the seven churches. He specifically tells John that he is to go to the leaders of the churches and give these messages. This message is for the angel of the church, which is the pastor. Okay. So, now... He is here, he is talking to the church in Sardis, and he is talking to the church about their spiritual vitality. My message today is titled, The Danger of Spiritual Laziness. The Danger of Spiritual Laziness. Verse 1, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word again. We pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us through your word because your word is truth. Your word is like a two-edged sword that sometimes uh, cuts us when we read it. But it's like surgery that is done to cut out cancer so that we can be healthy. We pray, Lord, that you would help us through these seven messages that you're giving to the church. I pray that you would help us to see the areas where we fall short. Help us to repent and to return to you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. As the season has been changing, I have been uh, sometimes uh, in accordance with my will, sometimes against my will. I've had to go out and do some yard work. And so <laughs> um, we have a, a 10 by 10 uh, section in, in the backyard where Janita wants to plant stuff, right? I just like to see dirt or grass grow. Okay. So, uh, in order for uh, us to, her to be able to plant, right, because uh, in, in the backyard w where we live, there's just a lot of clay in the on the ground, right, where nothing can grow. So, I have to go and dig up some of this clay, put down, you know, new soil or mulch or something that could break down, put nutrients back in the ground. And, and, and I have been doing that because when we plant things, we desire for those things to grow and be fruitful, right? You don't want to want to spend time uh, planting seeds in the ground only for those things to be barren or to die. Okay. And what I want us to see here in this, uh, this example is God is the same way. The Bible in several places pictures God as a farmer who is planting seeds. Okay. I want you to turn really quickly to... The, the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we see this same idea here about God being a farmer or a gardener. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Okay. So Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener or the farmer in the vineyard. He says, verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in, and, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. 
so you will be my disciples. Now, notice here, Jesus is describing God the Father as a farmer or as uh, a gardener. And uh, he is planting vines or grapes. What does he want? He wants fruit. God the Father does not want to take time to plant seeds in the ground and they do not bear fruit. He wants fruit because he is glorified, right? He is exalted. He is honored by the fruit that is produced in our lives, right? You all remember Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and what? And glorify the Father in heaven. When our lives bear fruit, when we have good deeds, when there are actions that we take, when we are growing spiritually, our lives produce fruit that other people are able to see. And when they see the fruit of God in our lives, right, they don't pat us on the back. They give honor and glory to God. God desires fruit because the fruitfulness of our lives is what brings him glory, right? And so whatever the fruit is, people debate, well, what is the fruit that's being referred to? Is it the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, right? I mean, I think that you can, if you were to look up the word fruit in the New Testament, it describes a variety of things, right? Good works, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit's character being lived through our lives, like all of these, all of these things is the fruit that God is looking for that brings him glory. Now, Real quick, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. How does God feel when his people are not fruitful? When he spends time to cultivate fruit in our lives, but instead we are barren. Matthew chapter 3. Everyone there? Verse 7. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than, mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, in this passage, we know Jesus is talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of his day. And he's talking to them because as the leaders of Israel, they are representatives of the people. 
they represent the people because, as the saying goes, as the leadership goes, so goes the people. The leaders of Israel are supposed to be the ones that is, that is planting and cultivating the fruit in God's people. And even they themselves are fruitless, they're barren. Jesus here in talking to them, he tells them that call, he calls them a brood of vipers. Okay. I love how Jesus just, you know, people are like, well, you have to be nice to people and polite. You shouldn't say things that offend people. Listen, y'all have not read the Gospels, right? Jesus, he called them brood of vipers, sons of hell. I mean, he, I mean, read Matthew chapter 22. You'd be like, <gasps> if, a, if a pastor said to, to people what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, right, you'd be like, that's just not right. Jesus is trying to show them how very serious it is for them to have a role in leading God's people in producing good works, good deeds, and godly character. How very serious it is that God takes that, that they are not taking that responsibility seriously, and that they themselves are not bearing proper fruit. It is so serious, Jesus says, he uses language of God gathering them up and throwing them into a fire, like firewood. My father is so serious about those who do not bear fruit. It's like he would gather them up, throw them away, and set them on fire. Now, sometimes we think that because we have a relationship with God, we're somehow exempt from his wrath. <laughs> and, 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 and this is what fa the Pharisees believe. They say, well, we're the, we're the children of Abraham. We're God's people. God would never be angry with us. Jesus said, my father could raise up children for himself or to Abraham from these stones. And already the axe is laid at the root. He's already about to chop you all down and find other people to use. You know, ultimately, that ended up being the church. In the life of every Christian, God desires to be glorified by our fruit. That is our actions, our character, our good deeds or whatever. As I already said, Jesus says that. We are supposed to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and to glorify our Father in heaven. But too often, we as Christians are like the fig tree in Matthew chapter 21 and in Matthew chapter, I mean Mark chapter 11. You all remember Jesus is walking on the road and it says he's hungry. And he sees a fig tree far away and the fig tree has a lot of leaves on it. And so Jesus goes over to the fig tree, and he starts searching. <laughs> this tree has leaves on it. it. It looks like it's alive, but it has no fruit. Can you imagine walking through the desert, 
You see a tree that looks like it has food for you, but it has nothing. And what does Jesus do? Because it looked like it was alive, but it had no fruit, Jesus curses the fig tree and says, you will never feed anyone again. So the disciples, they, they, they go on their journey with Jesus. They come back the next day and walk past the fig tree. The fig tree is dried up and dead. Too often we as Christians are like this fig tree that Jesus had to curse. We have leaves, which means we look fruitful, but on closer examination, there is no real fruit. We lack spiritual vitality. Here in our passage today in Revelation chapter 3, I want us to keep in mind this idea of, of looking like you have fruit, but actually you are barren. You have no vitality. As I read this again. He says, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. And here's my one question. You know I like to ask questions in my sermons to get us uh, thinking. Here's my question to you all. You can write it down. You can re reflect on it. Are you living off of your spiritual reputation? Are you living off of your spiritual reputation? Now, all of you all that are at least my age and older uh, know about the sitcom Married with Children. Okay, I don't know about I don't know about anybody else. Now, you remember that sitcom Married with Children? Okay, I'll be like. I be, I don't know. I'd be like, hey, well, you know, sometimes uh, I, I talk to people younger than me. I was at, when I was working at CCBC, one of the students <laughs> was there, and um, uh, she was working in our department, and it, her desk was, uh, was, was across from mine, and she, said, um, she was like, oh, Mr. Lloyd, I'm tired. I'm just going to go home and, like, relax and take a bubble bath and just chill out because I'm just so tired. I was like, oh, like the Calgon commercial? She was like, like the what? I like not mine. Not mine. That was a. Uh, I, I I forgot. You know, you're only 18. So that it was like you know like bath soap. You know you pour and kind of relax. You know. <laughs> I'd be like this generation don't know nothing. <laughs> I was like you don't know Calgon. <laughs> okay, you know. For too many of us, our spiritual life is like Al Bundy. Al Bundy would sit on the couch, and, and he would talk about his high school days when he played football. And you remember when I, we played together, we ran the touchdown. And then, but now he's overweight. Oh, shoe salesman, they just 
sits on the couch and yells at his kids. <laughs> and his wife. He, and he is content to talk about what he used to do, but now he does nothing. Too many of us as Christians are spiritually like Al Bundy. We talk about the things that we used to do for God rather than what we are doing for God. We used to go out and do evangelism, but now we don't share the gospel with anyone. We used to fast and pray, but now we couldn't fast if you paid us to do it. Side note, how many people have been fasting every Wednesday like we're supposed to? Anybody? It's rhetorical. It's rhetorical. It's rhetorical. <laughs> We used to spend a lot of time studying God's word and memorizing God's word and learning God's word. But now we don't have time to read the word or study the word or memorize the word. We used to be in ministry, but now we just come and sit. Or sometimes we're involved in a lot of activities but we aren't spending any time with God. We on all of the ministries. We come to all the events. We do, all, oh, oh, Pastor, oh, what are we doing next? Are we, we at every event. But when you're home, you don't spend any time with God. We only read our Bible on Sunday when we come to church. <laughs> right? and, and if you look at our Bibles, like they like, they curled up because they were just sitting in the sun in the back of your car all week. <laughs> there's, there, there's no prayer time other than when we say our grace. Praise and worship on Sunday before service is the only time we have worship time with God. We don't go home and spend time in worship with God and ourselves, just us two. Activities but no spiritual vitality. Too many of us, and I are, and will include myself in this at times, we have leaves, but no fruit. We are focused more on the image of how we look to other Christians. But there's no substance behind the look. Too many of us are relying on our reputations of what we have done for the Lord. But if the truth be told and people were to see our spiritual lives today, as, as Jesus tells John, you have a reputation that you are alive. People pat you on the back. Oh, you are such a good Christian. But, uh, but, but, but you are really dead. You're on spiritual life support. many of us, including myself at times, have a reputation of spiritual vitality, but the reality is that we are on spiritual life support because we are putting too much emphasis on coasting through the spiritual life on our reputation 
without actually being, um, without actually doing things presently to maintain our spiritual vitality. You know, this can come in, in, a, in a variety of different forms, right? Um, sometimes people, uh, sometimes people will come to us and say, hey, you know, we used to do this and we used to do that. And, or this church, they're doing this activity and that activity. And, and, and I'm like, and they think that because if there's a bunch of activities going on, that somehow that means that there's spiritual life. But a bunch of activity does not mean there is a lot of spiritual life. It just means there's a lot of activity. <laughs> because you could do a lot of stuff and not have any relationship with God. Now listen, think about the Pharisees. Jesus says to the Pharisees that, for example, they were so serious about tithing, right, that they would tithe off of everything. He said they would tithe off of mint leaves. Right? Remember he says you tithe off of anise and cumin and mint, right? He, they, they, God gets one leaf, I keep nine. <laughs> they, they were so meticulous about following the rules, they had no spiritual life, though. They had no, nothing stopped them from being able to say, yeah, we got to just kill this guy and just move, back, move on with it. Judas came and said, hey, you know, I, I betrayed innocent blood. That's on you. And they went on and lied to have Jesus killed. They were focused on activity. They had no real spiritual life. And on the flip side, right, on the flip side, sometimes you can be doing nothing because you have no spiritual life. We have to all examine our own hearts and see where we are spiritually lazy and ask the question, why? You all know that I have to, like a great surgeon, I got to get the scalpel and cut as, 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 as deep as I can. Here we go. Sunday service. Some people feel, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be, go to church to be close to God. Why? Why do they feel they don't have to go to church to be close to God? I can spend time with God at home by myself. Is that what the Bible says? It's not what the Bible says. Don't forsake assembling yourselves together with the saints. And on the flip side, some of us come to Sunday service every single week. Why? For some of us, it's just a habit. I was raised to go to church. I, I just can't sit at home. I don't have nothing else to do. So I get them to come to church. Opposite things. But just because you go to church doesn't prove that you're spiritually vi vital or growing. I, I would say not coming to church is proof that you're not growing. <laughs> right? You cannot grow if you don't come to church. Okay? And, that, and that's one, somebody challenged me when I was like, what book of the Bible you want to start with and work my way to the right? You cannot grow apart from the body. It's just not not right. You, if you if you cut my liver out, my liver's not going to keep growing, and neither am I. 
And that is why the number one example of the church is a body. Body parts don't grow on their own. They only grow as they receive life from everything else in the body. It's a mutual thing. But you can come to church each Sunday and still not grow if you are not spending time with God. Have you all ever thought about this? <laughs> I got to do it. How is it that Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Y'all know me, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Do you notice how people can't come to Bible study on Wednesday night? The most, uh, the number one reason people give me for not being able to come to church on Bible on Wednesday night for Bible study is because they can't drive in the dark. Can't drive in the dark. But all of our church events where we serve food is on Wednesday night. And everybody who said they can't drive at night <laughs> is always there. I'm just saying. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. <laughs> People say they can't come to, to Wednesday Bible study, so we have cell groups on Saturday. And for the last, I don't know how many years we've doing, been doing these cell groups. <laughs> it is literally the same dozen people that come to cell groups. Everybody else is busy. We 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 had multiple nights at cell group. Can't make that. We you know, people and, and people are like, oh, I'm busy. I can't do it. And like, oh, but they're like, oh, did you see um power? I'm like, oh. Somebody actually literally was like, well, can we move it off of Thursday nights? Because, you know, that's, that's you know, that's the night that um, was the Empire Power one that comes on. Well, I'm just like, oh, you want us to change change discipleship groups so you can be home to watch TV. <laughs> All right. When was the last time you worked on memorizing the Bible verses? Memorize scripture. They're like, I, I can't memorize all of that stuff. And then it's like, if I start singing a song from the 1970s, y'all be like, that's my jam. Y'all got the words down. Y'all know the songs. We can memorize We can memorize any song on the radio, but we, Pastor, I just can't memorize those verses. We start with catechism questions. And they'll say, hey, here's these questions. We're going to memorize these questions so that we can know what we believe. And then we come back, and I'm like, hey, who memorized those verses? Oh, man, I forgot. And I'd be like, who won the Super Bowl? They'd be like, oh, let me tell you what the score is. And then so is it really that we can't remember, or it's not a priority? When's the last time you... Practice the spiritual disciplines of fasting or prayer or being silent before the Lord. 
when we have homeless outreaches or when we give to, to evangeliz- um, evangelization or missions around the world, or the, do you participate? Do you care about other people's needs being met or spreading the gospel to other people? These are all signs. I, I, I know in our generation you say, well, you, you can't list out criteria to prove whether or not I'm close to God or not, but, but that, that's not what this teaches. There's criteria on whether or not we have spiritual vitality or if we are growing closer and closer to God. You should look more like him. You should sound more like him. You should have more character. Your character should be more and more like him every day. And if that is not happening, it may be because you are coasting on your spiritual reputation rather than putting an emphasis on currently living the Christian life. John goes on in Revelation chapter 3 after making this charge that some people may be coasting on their spiritual reputation. He goes on to give us the steps to recover our spiritual lives. Here are the steps, three things that we need to do. If you find that in your life you are kind of coasting spiritually, right? And I think this is true of all of us, right? I mean, it's, it's true of me. I know it's probably true, it's true, of, true of all of us. A- at the end of every year, I sit down and kind of reflect over my year and say, where did I fall short, right? Wh- where was I not consistent in my, in, in my life with the Lord? And, and I try to plan those things out. Sometimes I, you know, it's like a like a um, spiritual New Year's resolution, okay? Sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't, okay? But, but, but I, I, I'm constantly trying to reevaluate where I am. Jesus gives us three things here that we need to do if we recognize that we are failing in spiritual vitality. He says, starting at verse 2, he says, Be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Three things. Number one, he says you are to be watchful and to nurse back to health the things that are still spiritually alive. Be watchful and nurse back to health the things that are still spiritually alive. Now, notice here that Jesus is is trying to help us to see your own spiritual life support. You're not, you're not completely spiritual dead. You, you are saved. You have eternal life inside of you. So you're, you're not completely dead. You're just on life support. Okay. What are you supposed to do? He says, strengthen the things that still remain. What Jesus encourages us to do is be watchful. Look around. E- examine your life. And, and, and find the things, uh, there are some things that they might be just too far gone at this point. Don't focus on those things. Focus on the things that, that still have a little spark of life left. 
And you want to focus on that because you, you want to fan the flames of those things. Nurse those things back to life. What, what areas in your life would be easy for you to change rather quickly? What, what are some, some quick and easy things that you can do in order to jumpstart your spiritual life? Jesus tells them that they are to focus on those things because th- even those things are ready to die. Because our works are not complete before God. Now, if our works, th- of course, we know this word perfect, it means to be mature or complete or to be fulfilled, right? He, he's saying that your works are not measuring up to God's standard. So what you need to do is put your energy and effort into those things, right? And not in the sense of being like, if you work hard enough, you can please God. That's not what, I, that's not the idea of what I'm, of what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is, is that, is that we have to put forth energy and effort in our relationship with God or we will fall back, right? Like Peter says, keep moving forward or you will fall back. Uh, this is something that is hard for people to understand, right? Over the last, I would say, 18 years, 18 years, since I, 16, 18 years, somewhere like that, I can't remember, um, since I graduated from seminary and, you know, and, and you know, with, you know, my, my master's is, is in counseling, and so, a Christian counseling, and so, you know, w- when I left and started working full-time uh, at, at my old church um, uh, in charge of counseling and visitations and things like that, I, I have got over these last 16 or so years to sit down with a lot of couples. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 relates the idea of our relationship with God to a man and wife. I don't think that's a, a coincidence, right? Now, one of the things that I have learned about um, couples is that, and usually it's, just, it's with the men, right? But it's, it's also with, uh, with women is that in the beginning of your relationship, we, 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 we do everything to, to make you happy, right? Before we go on a date, we wash the car, you know, make sure vacuum it out, make sure everything is clean, right? We pick you up, we come to the door, we open the door, and you close the door, and we, we do all of these things. We buy you flowers, right? We walk on the on the curbside so you don't get hit by a car or water splash on you. We do everything that our parents taught us to do that we really don't want to do, but we do it, okay? I'm just joking. You know, I got to make y'all laugh at some point, right? We, we, we do all of these things up front, but then we get married. And you pull up in the lot for church, and, and then, like, the husband, he get out, like, come on, you're making me late. <laughs> and, like, you ain't open the door for her. You're not carrying her bags. She can't remember the last time you bought her flowers. 
and and we what we end up doing is we we get together we have all of this burst of energy because we in love and we and we fight we want to get this girl and then we get her and it's just like oh got her now <laughs> and and we think in marriage that we could just coast along until we die But because I meet with a lot of people after some years, you know, people come to me and they talk and they be like, I just feel like we've grown apart. You know, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? And I said this to a couple one time. I said, you know, I agree with you. I think you have grown apart because you haven't done anything to grow together. What do, y- what do y'all do as a couple? Oh, well, you know, when I get off of work, I come and I, he has it, it watches his TV and I watch my TV. You know, we eat dinner together, but, you know, then we go our separate ways. I'm like, right, you aren't doing anything to grow together. You all are just coasting along. And we do the same thing with God. We get saved. And we on fire. All of us are that annoying Christian. People are scared to come to the water cooler at work because they were like, you heard about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what I learned in church today. Let me learn, tell you about this Bible verse I'm learning. And like we, we try to evangelize everybody. Be like, I'm hungry. All right, I'm going to give you this sandwich, but why you eat them? I tell you about Jesus. See, Jesus died for your sins. <laughs> right? We got the little tracks and stuff. And we be walking around, and the waitress come by with, and give it a tip, and you put the little track out there. Okay. We, we do all of these things, but then after some years, kind of like, I know Jesus. I pray every once in a while. I read my Bible every once in a while. I mean, if people, I, I mean, I, I'll tell people if they want to know about Jesus. And I mean, I know people around the world need to be saved, but, you know, I got bills. I can't be giving to these, you know, all of these different missions groups and stuff. And after some years, we just coast along spiritually. As long as nobody, like pastor, upset the boat. We can, we can coast along. Jesus is saying here in this, in this text, you need to look around and see those areas where you're not performing God's will and start nursing those things back to life. What, were you, what did you used to be passionate about in your relationship with Jesus? What what? What used to make you thrive or make you get up in the morning and just be excited about being a Christian? Go back to those things and start doing those things again. And I will add that uh, for all all husbands, buy flowers and stuff. Put it in your phone. Be like, okay, buy flowers. (laughs) You know, take her out to eat. (laughs) Text her, I love you. Okay, if, if you can't remember, set the reminders in your phone. Okay, I'm, you never call me on my breaks like you used to, <laughs> right? So do those things again, okay? So women, I'm going to look forward to this week. Y'all telling me all of the stuff that y'all got this week. Be like, oh, yeah, all the, y'all going to get flowers this week and texts and phone calls. <laughs> He's like, like, this is a good week, Pastor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Number two. Number two. First, he says that we are supposed to be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Number two, he says, remember, verse three, how you have received and heard. Do you remember what you were originally taught about the Christian life? You remember growing up and hearing John chapter 15 about God desires us to bear fruit? Do you, you remember verses like Luke 9:23, if anyone desires to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You, you were taught that the Christian life is a life of sacrifice and it is a walk with God that produces spiritual vitality and good works. Ephesians 2.10. We were saved for good works so that we would walk in them. Remember what you were taught about the Christian life and go back to those things. Number three. He says, hold on to those roots and repent of your spiritual laziness. He says, hold fast and repent. We all have a Christian foundation, right? We, we were all taught the, 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 the basic truths of Christianity and and. Here, Jesus is telling John to let the church know that that you have to go back to those roots. Whatever you, you used to do, whatever you learned, you have to go back to those things. Hold on to those things and repent. I, if you're going in the wrong direction, God allows you to turn. <laughs> Change your behavior and get back on the right path. Jesus says, again, as I said, he gives them an indictment. He gives them a warning here. What will happen if they don't change their spiritual laziness? Well, I should ask, what will happen if we don't change our spiritual laziness? He gives this answer, the second half of verse 3. If you will not watch, if you will not look around, and and find the areas of your life that is that's on life support and, and and change those things. He says, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Now I think that this is a reference to the city of Sardis was a, a city that was uh was set at the top of, of of a of some of a hill with very deep cliffs. And it was it was thought that it was impossible for these cliffs to be scaled, right? Only two times in the history of Sardis has the city fallen. And you know how the city fell? So uh, they were pitched in, in, in battle. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what, what nation they were fighting in. And so uh, they, they were trying to figure out how do we get up these cliffs in order to get to these people. And, and, and by accident, a soldier in Sardis drops his helmet down the hill. And so I guess he wasn't watching and paying attention. He comes to an area of the cliff where he can climb down easily, get his helmet, and climbs back up. And the soldiers was like, there we go. 
That's our way. That's our way into the city. And they took in, took enough soldiers up that path of the cliff that they were able to take the city. Because the soldier was not watchful of what he was doing. Jesus says, if you do not repent and turn away from your spiritual laziness, I'm going to come to you like a thief. You aren't even going to know when it happens. It's going to be that quickly. He's going to come to them in judgment. Just like the city of Ephesus. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't end with the warning. He ends the text with encouragement. Jesus does not want to judge his people. He, 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 has, he threatens to shut down all of these churches if they do not repent. But that is not his desire. He desires for the people to repent and to turn back towards him. So verse 4, he says, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He, he says it, it, it's not the whole church. It's not, not every. There are some people who are maintaining their spiritual vitality, right? And, and I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to do that because in heaven, I'm going to brag on you to my father. I, I, if you don't coast through the Christian life and, and, and you are consistent in, 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 in doing the things that will bring fruit and glory and honor to my father, when you get here, I'm going to brag to my father about you. Now, that gives us the idea that there's two things. Remember, Jesus says, those who are ashamed of me before men, I'm going to be ashamed of you in front of my father. I, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I don't want to get to heaven and be like, yeah, they go, Larry, he, he here. He's like, keep on going through. <laughs> Just go on. You, you made it. Good, you know, go on in. Go over there. They got you. Got your mansion over there, just go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 when I get there, I, I, I want Jesus to be like, like, this is the one I was telling you about. He's, he stayed faithful. Now I'm be worried. I'm just I'm be walking like <laughs> I know some stuff I got. I'm like, Lord, don't rem don't remember everything. <laughs> You know, like everything pr prior to like 2002, be like, you know, and then some stuff, you know, after 2002. He'd <laughs> 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 be like, well, listen, let's just, can we just skip, you know, can I write down the stuff we could talk about or not? I was like, you know, you know, I, I, I do pray. Y'all think I'm joking. On Judgment Day, I just be like, I just pray they don't have like DVDs and be like, this was your life. You like hit the, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is this a closed viewing, Lord? There's <laughs> some stuff I don't want people to know. <laughs> but I, I just want, I'm like, I'm like, I, that he did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Like, he wants to brag on you. 
he wants to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? But the theme through all of these is that we must remain faithful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have been able to come again and look at your word. Lord, if the truth be told, all of us in a variety of places of our lives, we are not spiritually vital. We're lazy in certain areas of our walk with you, just like we're lazy in some of the areas of our walks in other relationships. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be able to look around ourselves, look around our lives, look around our hearts, and see those areas where we need to put in more spiritual work. Help us, Lord, to put in the energy and the effort that's necessary to produce the fruit that will glorify you. All of us have different things that we need to work on, and, and only you can put your finger on those things in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts so that we could be open to hear your voice say this thing or that thing. And I pray that we will put in the energy and effort to strengthen those things that are still alive. We thank you for your grace and your mercy on us. I pray that we would, would be able to keep all of these passages in the context of the gospel. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not something that we should hear in the context of losing our salvation because that is not possible. We're talking about judgments and rewards. We want to be able to get to heaven and, and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen us in our inward man. We pray that you would continue to show us the areas in our lives where we are coasting or falling short. And, and that you would provide us the, the spiritual energy and power to do those things that please you so that you can be glorified. We thank you for all of these things, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right.